All right. Welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where uh, deeper conversations are something highly sought after but rarely explored. And I'm here with Brandon and Alyssa once again. Um, so welcome back, everybody. Hi, guys. Hi, team. <laughs> I always have exciting little hellos. <laughs> um, I think we're just going to start off with uh, with some tea time. So, Alyssa, you got anything new coming up for you this week, this past week? been kind of an uneventful week for me i mean i've been playing some sudoku getting the brain going but other than that i mean we have been working on our branding yeah that's been exciting uh we're definitely like excited about that um and you know i've been working a little bit with brandon getting some some branding things together for uh ever-changing vibes so that's nice um but yeah i mean i have a little bit of tea i mean i had a lovely weekend last weekend in boston which is phenomenal yeah, I know. I know. Um, so we, you know, the guy that I'm seeing, we went up to Boston for the weekend and um, went to Morton's and had a, just like an absolutely fantastic night. And Alyssa, I sent you our pictures. Oh, it was fire. Like, as far as couple <laughs> photos go, I think I literally said to you, like, you look like you're about to assassinate somebody after dinner. Like, <laughs> you were looking fine. Yeah, yeah. We got the response from, like, pretty much everyone we sent the picture to. Uh, my sister-in-law was like, you look stunning. And um, even Trisha, my friend from Iowa, said the same thing. And um, his parents were like, oh, my God. Wow, she's adorable. So that was, that was like, really nice um, to, to hear. Um, Don't forget. Wait, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta cut you off. Oh you God, can, are you telling me like their his relatives are aware of you now? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, oh. both of our relatives are aware of the other. So any introductions yet? Any? No, no, not yet, not yet. We're still we're still holding off. We haven't like quite hit that three month mark. So gotcha. I know for us, like we have specifically talked about like getting to the three months, and then you know maybe like a little even after that to kind of do family interact introductions and things like that but his family his, his family did ask like so when are we gonna get a meter and my whole family like he picked me up from a family party on saturday and all of them were like so when are we gonna meet him why well is he coming back here are we gonna get to say hello i'm like no like we are not doing introductions yet and like my dad did not take that very well whatsoever my dad was like really freaking heated about it that is a bubble you just don't want to pop too early yeah exactly and that was like more like that's my thought like i I think it's good, like, I think, you know, introducing a family at a certain level is good, but I think just because the fact of, like, we're still within that three-month honeymoon phase that, like, you know, once we get out of that, like, things could just all, all of a sudden drop off and things could hit the fucking shit fan. Say, I haven't even met him, so that's gonna have to come first. Yeah, like, that's what I mean, like, we haven't, we haven't really done the whole friend interaction thing yet, and I think that's more or less, like, where I want to start, and I can't even tell you the amount of support that I got from, like, my family, because my dad was, like, blowing up at the party, like, pissed about the fact that, like, he found it so disrespectful that he he didn't come back and say hello and shake her father's hand and like all this stuff. My dad is obviously you can tell by that interaction, very clearly traditional, like sort of Just guy. He's um, so nice though. Yeah, he is like really nice, but he was like really pissed about it. My mom told me about it afterwards. Obviously, like I wasn't there to hear all that. But like my my aunt, like I went to go kiss her goodbye when you know, I, I we go around and kiss everybody when you leave the same party. And I go to kiss my aunt and she looks at me and she goes, Jocelyn, I wanna make sure you know you don't have to bring anyone into this house that you don't want to. Not a single person until you are fully ready to make sure that they're committed to the family. Because, honey, like, we get committed. And that's what we do. We love so, a supportive aunt. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, she's always been so supportive, too. So that's why, like, I lo and I love it. So she was just very much, like, backing me up. Like, do, like, and she even said, like, oh, she's like, you know, my son didn't bring his wife around until 
she felt he felt like he was gonna marry her and put a ring on that finger and that was when he finally brought her started bringing her around and I was like wow I was like I didn't know that going I was really young when they were dating so I had no idea but like I'm like oh man that makes me feel better like you know because you you get that like reaction from your from a parent and you're like oh maybe I should do the introduction like parent introductions and blah 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 but I was like once I got that like reassurance from my aunts and like even a couple of my cousins were like just whatever don't worry about him and I was like ah all right well like you know it it is like essentially like my decision when like we do introductions to family and I think that's the important part to remember I do feel like it is more traditional to like wait until you guys are very serious long-term relationship to meet the family though yeah well I think the thing for my dad was like that's like I'm her father like and she he's taking her out on a date like he needs to meet my dad because like if you think like traditional like 50s role like the guy shows up at the front door and like all not, that you're not a teenager anymore it's not like yeah. you guys live together and you have to meet all of their friends you know right yeah no absolutely I and you know that's also the other part of it is I was like I don't like yeah I live with my mom but like my mom's super my mom's super chill when it comes to like meeting people she's just like yeah whatever he makes you happy yeah okay well good like that's all I care about like you know I'll, I can give my two cents if you want me to but like you know it is what it is like you're gonna make your own decisions I, I'm I have no say over that you know at the end of the day but like my dad's not that way at all like my dad will give his opinion and like you know that's his opinion he's gonna stick with it and so and his very traditional views of like dating and things like that and I'm like I like kind of wanted to you know be like dad did you like did you meet your fiance's father before you took her out on a date like no like you were grown adults like there's a difference (laughs) like I have no filter yeah I mean at the moment like it wasn't anything I was thinking about because I was just like sitting there like just trying to still have a good day with family and then head that into like having a good night with him for dinner and things like that. So I was like, I'm not having this argument with my father today. Like it's just not freaking happening. No, There's agreed. no need. <laughs> There's no need to like dive down that road. So that's pretty much my only tea that I had uh, this week. So I, I just have to say in this photo that was stunning. You also had your head shaved. You shaved it yeah. all the way down the side <laughs> this time. Yeah, it's all. It's not just like the the half to the ear. It's like all the way down the back now. And let me tell you, ladies, do you ever want to shave your hair? Do it. You Please. will lose so much pounds on your head. You'll feel lighter. You'll feel better. And let me tell you, you'll also feel like a bad fucking bitch. So anyway, that's just my two cents on the shaving your head. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, if you are losing your hair, just wear hats. Just hold no, on. No, just fucking for- shave it. I'm sorry. Just shave it. I can't. Okay, thanks. <laughs> oh, all right. I, I mean, I, I'm purposely, like, holding out, too, because it's what separates me from my brother. So he shaved his head, and I'm okay. like... I mean, this is just my opinion, but I have someone that's close to me that has been balding for quite a while, like hair loss, very back of the head. Like, it it just needs to go at some point. Like, you can wear a hat all day, every day, but it has to go. Just, you'll look so much better. It'll be clean cut. Everyone loves a shaved head. Just do it. Yeah. It doesn't have to be bald. Like, just yeah. shave it. Yeah. Buzz yeah. it short. Yeah. yeah I, I totally agree. And, and I think, um, especially for, for guys, like... As your hair starts going, it's almost better to get ahead of it and just start shaving and then just be the bald guy before you be the monk or, you know, yeah. have the, have <laughs> That's a, the picture I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before you have that happen, it's like being bald is a little bit better. So just be the bald guy. What I, what I learned is like, if you introduce yourself at like already bald, like 
you look normal. Like, it's just, like, that's a bald person. Whatever, like, that's their haircut. But if, you, like, your friends from high school that saw your hair and, like, know you with hair see you bald and, like, it's always going to be weird for, for that. Like, for that, that short amount of time, though. Yeah. It'll transition. You'll be fine. Like, it's just, it, I mean, but, like, even for myself, like, shaving that's half of my head was, like, a transitional period. I was, like, going to, like, when I scoop hair, I don't have to, like, scoop all of this. Now I just get to go, like, from, like, half my head. And, like, it's just a transitional period. And, like, even my mom was, like, she first saw it. And she was, like, oh, you went all the way down the back this time. And I was, like, I did. <laughs> Why? She's, like, I don't love it as much. But it's not on my head. I don't have to look at it every day. So you love it? I was, like, yeah, I love it. She's, like, okay, great. Then, like, that's on you. You you enjoy it. It's your haircut. I just really like the cute little, like, half half shave. But my mom's very, again, she's still traditional in, in ways, but she's much more open. She has a, a large openness compared to my father. So that's a nice like thing. I just expect people from high school to change. So I don't think it would be that big a deal to just shave it or try an, a mustache, a beard, whatever floats your boat. Just do it. Yeah. I rocked a, a, a little bit of a stash for, for some time, but. Uh, as a teacher, it's not not. It's not creepy great. looking. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Just the stash. Um, or was so it like was all a, the way down, and you had the so little it was like a, beard. A goatee. It was a, a stash, thing, yeah. but it was like then I had a five o'clock shadow, so it was like trimmed on the sides, but then like, stashy. It looked like I had a stash, but it was also it looked like it was like oh, it could be a beard, you know. As long as it's not a porn stash, we're good. Yeah, yeah, true. What's yeah. worse, porn stash or um, chap? Like the, the Hitler stash. Oh, the Hitler stash. Oh, okay. Both. <laughs> both are pretty terrible. Uh, or it's definitely both. Would you uh, rather? Hundred no, percent. But like, if if your guy was like, I I need to have a mustache. Like, I'm gonna going to do it. I'll let you pick which one I have. Are you letting him walk around? Like, He's not looking like Hitler. I'm no, sorry. Porn stash, porn stash. Porn stash. Yeah, you're not having a Hitler stash. No, thank you. Actually, no. that would probably be good. Like, yeah, my guy fucks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Very true, yeah. Um, so I think we're going to just take this time and transition right into our topic of the week, which is quarter life crisis. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, so so I've got a little definition here for for people that like you know may not know what a, a quarter life crisis is. Um, so in popular psychology, a quarter life crisis is a crisis involving anxiety over the direction and quality of one's life, which is most commonly experienced in a period ranging from a person's early twenties up to their mid thirties. Uh, although uh, a quarter life crisis can begin as early as eighteen. Yeah, that shocked me that it was actually, like, younger and older. It wasn't just – because I think quarter-life crisis is usually, like, 25, yeah. like, mid-20s. Yeah, that sure. was, that was like, my initial, like, thought. And I think that's maybe because I went through, like, my quarter-life crisis at 25. But I guess for me, like, I technically kind of started before that because I had ended, like, a four-year relationship when I was, like, 23. And then it was, like, I was working – like, didn't realize how big of, like, a change that was going to be. And then, like, moving through that and then, like, into the 25, or, like, for my birthday and being, like – I don't want to do anything for my birthday. I don't want to recognize that this is my birthday, but, like, I want to go out and have, like, a birthday dinner, and that's, like, as far as I want to go with it because I just... So were you worried about age, like, turning 25? I think I was worried about all the things that came with 25. What did you think came with it? I think it's because I had the expectations for myself. Like, I had the expectation of, like, by 25, of course, we all have, like, dreams when we're kids. And I think, but for me, like, by 25, I was like, oh, I'll be, like, in my own place, whatever that looked like, and I'd have, like, a spouse at a minimum. I think that was, like, my expectation, and I didn't have any of those things. I was still living at home, and I didn't have a 
sustainable spouse whatsoever. So I think those expectations for myself and then did not see any of that coming to fruition. I was like, I'm also like, oh my God, I'm getting old. Like I'm getting old. Like, oh my God, I'm getting fucking old. I don't have a spouse. Like when, when do I get my house? When do I get my my babies? Like, oh my God. Yeah. Like my eggs. Like, yeah, I very much was like freaking out. I can't tell you that I I ate an entire package of Chips Ahoy Chewy cookies in um, two nights, along with the fact that, you know, those Pillsbury uh, holiday cookies? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, I have the Easter ones are there. I bought the, so we got the Easter ones because obviously it was close. Um, and I believe that I ate like four packages of those. Um and you know raw and also cooked oh, just and about that. did you cook them uh raw and cooked so we we had a, we had a nice mix mash of both but um yeah i mean the chips away chewies were 100 percent me the four packs of the pillsbury ones were from were split between me and my my friend cheyenne but um bless that bitch for eating all the fucking cookies she ate with me <laughs> that night and all of the tequila she drank with me for 25 because i needed it <laughs> you said something really interesting um especially it, with the definition that you pulled up with quarter life crisis. Cause it's like, it's when you start to realize some of the, the expectations that you set for yourself aren't, you know, manifesting themselves. And then you also said your expectation was that you'd have a spouse. And then you said, well, I had a spouse. So you did, you reached your expectation, but, and this is what I want to point out. And this kind of, I think you guys can help me like brainstorm how this is advice. Um, I think if you haven't had that quarter life crisis yet, you probably will, but there's a lot of things that we create expectations. We, we think we want these things. We, we think we want it to be a certain way, but reality, that's not how it works out. Things are going to appear in your life at the wrong time in the wrong way. And like, you know, you could love a certain thing, but like be in a, a place um, you know, mentally that like, you're not ready to embrace it. So you end up like turning away from that thing and it's, and it's just life. Um, so kind of helping to like ease that quarter life crisis is like, Hey, you know, expect like what you think you want is not going to be what you want. Yeah. I mean, well, and I think too, is like you, I know for myself, like when it came to like the quarter life crisis, my expectation of like, what my spouse was going to also do not like for me, but like for the future that we were having, like that was in my head that I wanted for myself. So I think knowing that like this spouse wasn't going to provide those things was like a real big shocker. And then like also just like the fact that like I wasn't in a house, I didn't have the babies that I thought I was already going to have. And like the the kids and the, you know, the white two and a half kids and white picket fence. Like that was all things that like by 25 I had imagined myself already having. And I was like, I am way far off. I don't even have like a career that I'm in to provide for these two and a half children and a house. Like, hold up. We got to pump the brakes. And that realization was like a hard hit realization. I do feel like it's the delay in growth. Not that you're not growing, but it's, you're not where you thought you were going to be. And that, that is kind of why I know I've said it before, but I live like day to day and I make more like short term uh, goals and expectations rather than long term, because I know I'm not going to be the same person this week as I am next week, next year, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could get a little more on that train. I definitely am getting better about that, but I, I do set my expectations like pretty, 
high f- and I I set them pretty like long term too like I'm very much long term yeah but I'm more like but I'm like really set in stone with like my long term and I think that's where I need to like I need to work on that for, I know for myself like I need to be a little bit more fluid about what like what long term looks like when it comes to the house the kids the you know where I'm gonna be in life and that sort of thing yeah I do so. think goals and expectations are a little different like yeah. I will set goals for myself long term but not set up my expectations too high or yeah yeah I use uh short hor- short term goals to <laughs> I have to talk real slow right now <laughs> I don't know what's going on uh no I have to use short term goals to reach my long term goals so like mm. specifically you know my my long term goals is to you know be a content creator like a full time content creator and I know if I just try to achieve that goal it's gonna fail if that's my goal. But I know in order to get to that goal, I have to set out those, you know, um, if if I'm looking like a shorter term, maybe a month, I'll say I need to make four episodes for my show a month. And on top of that, I need to make at least one networking, one connection. Um, and that could be, you know, having a guest back on for the, for the first time in like 20 episodes. That could be a completely new guest that I have. So like... I use those small short-term goals in order to, you know, sustain that routine to keep up because to get to the long-term goal. Yeah, we in content, it's consistency is key, so it's easier to set up those short-term goals with that long-term goal in mind. Yeah, I think though, like your long-term goal of like just being able to like be a content creator is like a really broad long-term goal because that that it gives you a lot of like opportunity to kind of like dive into different things. But like Mm -hmm. when like for myself, like I said that, like I'm going to have kids, a spouse and all that stuff. Like that's very like finite with a date, like specific. specific. Yeah. Like I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have the two and a half kids. I'm going to have my spouse and I'm going to do it by the time I'm 25. And that means like, I'm also going to be either like a, the career mom or I'm going to be a stay at home mom, like whatever that looked like. It was like very specifically like built out in my head. And like, so I, I am learning that like the timeline doesn't matter, but like the things that I want don't have to change. Mm-hmm. It's just that the timeline has to adjust based mm-hmm. on all the things that life throws at you. And I yeah. think that's kind of like the basis of like, getting through a quarter life crisis is just understanding that you're going to go through a lot of changes in your twenties, a lot of changes in your twenties. And like even your early thirties, like I think you can recognize that like you have this huge period of growth when you're like young because you just have so many experiences and things that you're having. So you like are building what you want next, but you're going to fail a lot and feel like you don't have your shit together. I really like the step-by-step approach. I feel like, if you're going to do that, you can have that like big goal, but set your expectations as you come. Like if it's the next step, set your expectations there and mm-hmm. not like at the end goal. Yeah. Because you're just setting yourself up for failure or for something else that is going to go wrong. Yeah. Or to not be also like be open to other opportunities because when you're you're so set on like this next thing with that expectation, you'll miss out on a lot of different opportunities. You know, something that like, so Alyssa does short-term goals and I didn't understand it for a while or see how it was valuable until now. Because if I'm thinking about it, <clears throat> your long-term goals, like you were saying, if you assign a you know a time, like by age 25, by age 30, I want to do this. You're only going to you know get mad at yourself because you don't like the time could be so different. And like for example, like let's say I say by 30, I want to be a content creator. Next year, I could have something go viral, become a content creator, and then three years later, I didn't 
do anything with it. So I'm not a content creator at age 30 because that was not how I set up that goal. But the short-term goals, I think, are very important because those you do need to assess a timeline, like one month or one week or one day. Like, yeah. you need to have all those short-term goals. They're more achievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, every time you do achieve, you feel a little bit better about yourself and you're making progress through that goal. But like, I, was the, I was the same way. So I, I wanted, um, you know, a wife or at least a fa- fiance by 23 and then kids by 24 25 it was like my vision in my head and then now that I'm 25 I'm thinking about what I was like when I was 23 and I'm like dude you like didn't even know how to you know fill up your gas tank like what what did you think was gonna yeah be, like, a, be a parent like and I know for me like at 23 like I didn't know how to communicate whatsoever compared mm-hmm. to the way that like I can communicate now mm-hmm. and even the way that I can communicate from like a year ago like those are very different people and like having that expectation of 25 like being able to hold that sort of space because I think that requires a big amount of your energy and space Absolutely. a relationship like doing that I think it's really really hard when but it's also like it's hard to to miss out on that expectation and still in hindsight look back and be like Oh, okay. It's okay that like I missed out on that because I definitely was not, I wouldn't have been a good spouse or I wouldn't have been a good partner in, in that way at 23. Like, I mean, I know for myself at 23, I was like partying like a goddamn animal. Like I, I was, and like, I was in no way, shape or form of like being ready to have a spouse. Yeah. I don't feel like you can put like an, a time frame on your growth. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's the problem with the, those like, you know, that's how you reach that quarter life crisis is because like you put a time frame on these long term goals and expectations for yourself, and then you get anxious mm-hmm. as you get closer to that age, and it's so far from from reality. So. Right, it's like dread. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm turning twenty five. Oh, what am yeah. I gonna do? Oh gosh, and you get like the anxiety. It's, I mean, can I ask Joss like how did yours come about? Because I feel like mine is very different than yours. I, I can't even give you, like, a specific, like, this happened, be, like, this was the way I was feeling because of whatever. It was just that, like, I think the number 25 in my head felt really significant to me because I think those, I had those expectations of where I thought I would be in mm-hmm. my life. And then having to look at my life and reevaluate the fact that, like, even at 25, I'm still nowhere near ready for those things that I want. As much as I want them, that's fine. But I'm still not at that growth point. And, like, that gave me a lot of anxiety because I was like, okay, but, like, how can I get to that point that, like, I'm ready for those things? And, like, how can I – how like, how do I fix myself? How do I grow? How do I, like, be the spouse that, like, I know I want to be to find the person I want to find? And so I think those were, like, a lot of, like, anxiety moments of, like, okay, you don't even have your fucking shit together. Like, get your shit together. Like, it just wasn't one day. You just broke down. No, no, it wasn't, like, a one-day thing. I think it was just, like – gradually like thinking about my age of like 25 and being like wow like okay and then you know and honestly like my dad never didn't help with that either I think there was a a, a time right before my birthday where we all got together and my dad's like oh you're turning 25 time for time for your midlife crisis and of course that got my I think that also got my gears turning because I think I was already in the process of thinking about those things Mm -hmm. so then to hear that I'm like yeah like I fucking know like I don't need the reminder of like uh, there like the midlife quarter life crisis is coming and like my life is not at all what I had anticipated and expected it to be so 
in in the in the time that I've known you, and the more I get to know you, I you're you're obviously a more upbeat, a positive, a motivational, very um, driven person. Um, more recently, and at the start of the show, with, with some of your tea, kind of explains why you're a little bubbly today. And <laughs> I feel like it, even even the other day when we were talking, I, I can see like a lot more um, just. You know this. Uh, I don't know how to explain that energy that you're vibrancy, yeah. vibe, yeah, yeah, vibrance. Um, in in the question that I'm leading up to is uh, where along this quarter life crisis do you find yourself? Are you, do you think you're kind of like past it, and now you're looking back and reflecting on what Ooh, it was? Great or, question. Or yeah, I think I'm still in the midst of like the quarter life crisis, but it doesn't seem as terrible as it did when I was tw- turning 25. Like that weekend felt mm-hmm. really daunting and like going like I was so happy that like Cheyenne and I were just going away to escape to the mountains and like be in the middle of fucking nowhere and and an Airbnb and like not know anyone and just be able to like flow and do whatever we thought we wanted to do, which was like a lot of edibles and a lot of tequila and just like hanging out and talking and like. And I think, you know, because I had her as well, like we, I, we were able to, like, I was able to work through a lot of that stuff because she is also someone that I turn to as much as I turn to Alyssa when it comes to those like sort of conversations of like, girl, like what, what the fuck do I do? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so she was very much like, girl, like you have these high expectations and like, it's great. But like, I think, and I think that's where she kind of came in with the like, don't put a timeline on it. Mm-hmm. And I really like took that to heart of like, shit, like I am really like having a timeline on things. But I think I'm still in the midst of a quarter life crisis because I still find myself being like, girl, you got to get your fucking shit together. Like you got to figure your life out. Like your tw- your 27 is coming up in a short six months. And like, you got to figure out like, what is, what, like, what are the things that you want and how how are you going to get there it's like i think i know the things that i want but it's it's the how i'm going to get there and i think i have to focus more on those short-term goals like you guys are talking about because i'm not a short-term goal-oriented person i'm a long-term goal-oriented person i feel like my quarter-life crisis was so different i didn't have a time frame like i didn't know what i wanted to do that i still struggle with that like you're talking about being in the middle i still feel like i'm in the middle i'm 26 now i Turned 25 during the pandemic. It was very lonely, I have to say. There was really nobody around at the time. Um, So I ended up turning 25. I was like, oh, it's no big deal. 25, whatever, next year. And then I just kept thinking, and I was like, what am I going to do with my job? Like, I don't think I can see myself doing this forever, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then I started to really freak out about that. And thank you to my stepmom for giving that. I ranted for like 20 minutes on a phone call to her. And she was like, so you're going through your quarter life crisis. And I was like, I'm doing what? (laughs) I was like, I didn't have that. Like my sisters turned like, you know, 25, 30. And they had that like freak attack. Like, oh my God, I'm turning 30. Oh my gosh. I never had that. I was not worried about age at all. So it was very different to me to hear I had a quarter life crisis. Yeah. Yours was around your job, though, it sounds like. So, like, very much. Yeah. So it sounds like it was initiated because you were like, I don't see myself doing this job forever, but like, I also don't know what that next job even looks like. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have had that happen to me over and over. Like, I planned on going to college and stuff didn't work out and then I couldn't afford it, so I didn't go. So then I had to figure out an action plan and what I was going to do next. And then I did that and I, was really successful in it. I loved it, but I didn't think it was going to be beneficial to me long term. So then I had to pivot again. And now I'm 
in a good place, but I'm still not like, oh my gosh, I could do this for the rest of my life. I'm absolutely in love with it. I'm going to enjoy it. Like I do know that I never wanted a job that I didn't enjoy. Like I was willing to get paid less to, to just do something do, that I enjoy. Yeah. And yeah. Cause it's, it's like that, that work-life balance, like because you're doing a job you enjoy, you're willing to take the sacrifices for your, your overall life in like a, a money financial aspect because you're like, I actually want to get up and go to my job and that is important to me. Yeah. And I like really freaked out about it because I do, like I said, I do love my job. I just, it's not something I'm completely passionate yeah. about and I want that so bad. Yeah. I think both you and I do. And I think that's probably why like, you know, this year has been my year of focusing on like, what does my job look like going forward? Like that's specifically the last like four or five months is like really what I've been focusing on. Like, what does my job title mean? What does my job title look like? Like, what are those things yeah. that give me passion? Because I'm, I'm very much like you in the sense that, like, I don't want to work a job that I don't have some sort of passion and, like, drive for. Yeah, and I was working remote at the time. I was very grateful to be able to do that. But being at home, I was like, wow, I love this. I'm so productive. I can have a full breakfast, lunch. And then I was working out right after work because I was already home. Like, I was very successful in that. So I was like, wow, I don't really want to go back to the office. Yeah. And then I realized that that was something that I was looking for, you know, to be able to maybe work from home or have a flexible schedule. And just kind of do what you need to do for yourself in order to feel like you have that work-life balance. Because I think, I know like for myself, like that's something that like I've been very into looking for going forward for this next stage of my life. Um, I want a job that I have flexibility and I think that flexibility isn't just a matter of, oh, I get to pick, but, like, I still have to be in an office. Like, no, that flexibility means, like, whatever the hell I want it to be. Meaning, like, okay, I'll come to, I can come to an office two days a week or I can come to the office no days a week. But as long as my job is getting uh, 40 hours a week or they're getting all of the work produced that they need to, doesn't matter the time frame that I get it done in. As long as that work is done, then, like, that's all that matters. Yeah, I agree. And I think my struggle, too, was the fact that I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I really had to, once I got past the anxiety, uh, look at what I do naturally. Like, yeah, I'm an introvert. Let's just lay it out there. I'm a lazy little sloth that sits at home and watches Netflix and Hulu all day. And if that's what I'm good at and I enjoy that, then I had to pursue and look more into what I could do around those things. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like, for me, like, I'm, like, Brandon, I mentioned, like, I'm very, like, bubbly and, like, I have a lot of energy and, like... I, that's why I know for myself, like a corporate job is not something I'm going to thrive in. I'm going to be miserable because I need, I need to constantly be moving. And like, if I'm going to work in that corporate environment, like I, I need to have like a treadmill pretty much at my desk because like, I can't, I can't sit still for that long. That's mentally not something I can do. It's more, that's more draining to me than like working a fast food job. That's why I think I've worked in the restaurant industry for so long because I have that upbeat energy and I can run around like a chicken with my head cut off and I enjoy that. Like I enjoy that aspect. Um, but I know for me, like a lot of people have said like, Joss, why don't you pursue marketing? Why don't you pursue marketing? They work like 80 hours a week. You are a work a fucking holic. Like just, you should try marketing. And I was like, but again, like I have to sit in an office. Like I don't want to sit in an office. Like that is my problem with that. Plus family life balance for me is very important. Like I wouldn't want to be working more than 40 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I'm getting paid for it. Like, I mean, it, and I think that's where like the, 
uh, someone had mentioned, like, you can do marketing consulting. And I was like, yeah, but, like, I still have to go to school and have, like, a marketing degree in order to even – and then, like, have a few years in the field to kind of step into that, like, marketing consulting type role. People want that experience. And I was like, I'm not willing to go back to school for marketing because, first of all, I think school is a scam. I think all the information that's out there is free and you can learn it all online unless, like, there is a specific test you have to take, like a, you know, your bar exam or your MTELs or something like that. Then, like, okay, fine. Like, that's the type of job – requirement or you know like doctors they have certain tests they have to take but as a marketing and like in the in the creative realm I don't think it's important I think you should just be able to study and learn because in those in those more creative fields too things are ever changing forever changing like I went to school for graphic design and what I would learn five years ago is not what I produce today it's not because that's not what people want. Because what I produce today may not be what someone even wanted six months ago for a company. Like, it's very, it's different all the time. It's constantly changing because people are constantly changing and so are companies and so are yeah. target markets and things like that. So I think, like, I think I would thrive in a market environment, like a marketing environment, but like, I don't think I would necessarily enjoy it as much as like I would doing like some sort of consulting where I had the opportunity to make my own job, like description, title, and like, work hours yeah I definitely felt like education was another hurdle for me I didn't want to do more schooling I'm in agreement I never went and didn't didn't need it and I love experience and I'm more than willing to learn like it's not that I can't learn or won't want to Mm -hmm. but I just can't see myself sitting in a classroom for you know two to four years to try to figure it out I'd rather take like an online course or a certificate class yeah or do on the job training so when I was looking to see what my possibilities were that was still gonna work with my lifestyle because I do own my own condo you know, I had to make sure I could pay bills, which was the other factor. Yeah, I was I, like, yeah. what job am I going to do? It's not like I can just quit and, like, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have to f- pay my bills, and education just was not an option for me, nor did I want it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think and I think that's something that's kind of, like, not really, like, discussed. I think people get that, like, bad taste in their mouth of, like, well, like, you don't have a degree? Like, oh, my God, especially people that went to school yeah. and, like, you know, I – you know, I can't tell you how many people that are like, you don't, wait, you don't have a degree? I'm like, nope. And they're like, but you still produce good work? I'm like, yep. Yeah, It's you, called self-education. You went to college. I didn't. And so, like, I have a high school education. And, like, if you look at my resume, that's all it says. And so yeah. it looks a little, you know, sad. Or you get the wrong impression. But, like, I am willing to learn. I will learn everything. I mean, this last job change, I went from working with animals to like an, a renewable energy company, and that is so different. I had no idea what I was doing. Two years later, and I'm thriving. Like yeah. I know all about it. So yeah, yeah. But I think you, you, I think that's another thing that people don't talk about when you're in your like quarter life crisis. Your openness needs to be really, really high. You like, like that's something that is kind of built into your personality. Um, but like, if you're not going to be open to trying new things in your, your twenties, it's going to be even harder going through your Carter life crisis because your expectations are much, much more set in stone because you, you, you have a really low openness and you're like, no, it has to be this way. Like there's no that like seeking whatever opportunity kind of like presents itself. Yeah. You need that open mind. Or yeah. Like I said, look at your own habits, what you're already doing and make decisions from there. Like, do I like this? Do I think I could make a career out of it and go from there step by step? Yeah. And little by little too, like, you know, in your twenties, like dibble dabble and everything, like find new hobbies, like try to like work things out and like, 
sit really like sit with yourself and kind of just like be I think another thing that like I want to touch upon within the quarter life crisis is like it's okay to like go through it alone and it's okay to go through it with a spouse or like another person I think whatever your forte is that's like important for you to pursue that your way don't be forced into this idea of like oh you're going through a quarter life crisis you have to do it alone like you don't have to do anything any certain way and that needs to also be like did you pushed. want somebody around for yours? Because I know, I like, I love my stepmom, and I'm really great that she had a pep talk with me. But, like, after that, I kind of just needed to do my own thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, going through my quarter-life crisis, like, Cheyenne was great. Like, like same thing you, you said. Like, you were like, oh, my mom, my stepmom gave me a great, like, pep talk. Like, Cheyenne was great and, like, was able to, like, really, like, walk me through, like, and push those questions that are really hard to kind of, like, bring to yourself. Like, you don't think about those things. So having that outsider perspective of someone, like, asking you those questions. We love that. Yeah, we really do love that. Um, she gave me those, like, questioning prompts, and I was able to, like, push and, like, really, like, dive deep into, like, you know, like, why was this such a bad idea? Like Or, like, why was, like, quarter-life crisis such a bad thing and, like, things like that. Um, but I think, like, after that, I never really, like – I was saying that I like when someone was like, "Hey, like you've been really weird lately." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm going through a quarter life crisis. A lot of things in my life are like changing, and I like I don't know how to handle it." So like, and I did. I like I've reclused like a friggin' spider, like really hard. Um, I mean, I am someone who is much of the opposite of you, Alyssa. Like I'm an extrovert. Like I like going out. I like meeting new people. Like I I thrive on that sort of like new energy. Yeah, I know you adopted me. <laughs> yeah, I did. I adopted you. It's okay. Um, but like I I do. I really like thrive off of that. Like those new experiences. That's why like when I took my personality test, like the Myers Briggs personality test, my openness is like a 95 or like a 93 or something. Like my openness is really, really high. So I'm, I, I like crave those like new experiences and like getting out there and meeting new people and having new conversations and things like that, seeing new perspectives. So for me to like be going through the quarter life crisis and like want, not wanting any of that outsider perspective. I mean, also like I turned 25 and my birthday was right at the start of the pandemic. Like I went away for my birthday, came back and we were in pandemic and everything was shut down. I left, nothing was shut down, came back for, went away for three days, came back and everything was like, nope, can't go anywhere. And I was like, whoa, this is like strange. So I was like forced into doing it alone in a way. Like I know that like FaceTiming and phone calls and all of that, but like it just wouldn't have been the same as like being in a group of people and like trying to get their perspectives, especially because like I definitely have like, I have older and younger friends, so, like, I could have easily, like, gone to both and been, like, hey, like, what do you think of this? And, like, you know, go to the older friends and be, like, hey, how was your quarter-life crisis? But, like, I didn't do that. I just kind of, like, recluse and kind of just handled it by myself. Um, And even, like, when I was, like, I was seeing someone, like, I never really spoke to him about quarter-life crisis. I didn't want to. I mean, I'm in a relationship, and I just didn't want to discuss that with anybody else yeah yeah absolutely and that's okay like I mean I think it's okay to want to discuss it and then also not want to discuss it too I also was working out like I don't know if you experienced this I had like not childhood trauma but like I was dealing with traits and and reactions that I was having that I had like to relate back to growing up and how I did things and like why I feel the way I feel now and like grapple with all of that yeah yeah no I definitely was like going through some of that but for me like I was very much like in the middle of pandemic I was like I was tripping a lot of uh, and doing a lot of acid so I was I was doing tons of introspection like tons and like if that's something like you're you're into you you can understand the like doing acid and doing mushrooms and things like that the introspection is so incredibly real and like I was able to look at like and go through a lot of that 
quarter life crisis and sit down and like let go of a lot of things, those expectations I had on myself because like I was very open during these trips to being like more introspective and more like letting things go and letting things come. Like I had to, I had to be more fluid because when you're on an acid trip, you also like, there's no control. You have no control over what's going to happen. It's whatever the drug and however it reacts with your body. So like I was already having to learn to let go of that control, which I think helped me learn to let go of like the control that I don't have over aspects of my life that I, I would love to have a tight grasp on, but I, I I can't do that. Like that's not realistic. Absolutely. I feel like as much as it is anxiety ridden, it's also really healing Mm -hmm, to go through the quarter life crisis. Like I feel better a year later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I definitely do too. I think it's necessary. Like whenever your quarter life crisis is. I'm also in like the same job. So like you don't have to make these big changes within that crisis. You know, you can go slow and steady. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I, I was seeing that spouse for another year and a half before I broke it off and like officially and was done. Like I knew at 25, this was probably not the person I was going to marry, but like couldn't see myself also getting out of that relationship. So like the same thing applies there. Like you don't have to make these giant changes right off the bat. Like you can take your time and like work through that sort of decision or the thing that it feels to you like it's falling apart like it, I mean for me right now I feel like financially like my life is in fucking shambles I'm like I'm figuring it out but like it's not in shambles I have a good job like I have food on the table and a roof over my head so I know it's not in shambles but it's again the whole thought of like I thought I'd have more money by now I thought I'd have more of this by now and like working that out and being like, okay, well you thought that's what you have. It's not what you have, but how do you get to what you want? And like, just work through that and get to that point and do yeah. the, do the habits and, and put in place the things that like you want to do to get to where you want to be. Do you have anything on quarter life crisis, Brandon? Um, there's a lot of things. Um, I saw you kind of journaling over there. That's why I figured I would pop in and ask. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of thinking about, you know, what you were, uh, talking about, like, um, you know, the, the field of marketing is uh, not an easy field to get in. And if you have all the degrees, the certificates, everything you need, it's not necessarily going to be a job that you want to do. Yeah. Um, and this is something, and I, I wrote it down so I can kind of talk about it on um, at least an upcoming episode of Ever Changing Vibe, uh, is how I am now observing creating content and what I'm getting at is like you and and very recently like you're uh you've adopted like three Instagram pages and you are doing the marketing for those three pages I started doing podcasting and and I kind of like when I'm trying to get people motivated or driven to to at least you know test out the waters one of the things that I will reference or one of the points that I, I used to back my my explanation is I am a I'm a talker I like talking I like having conversations my favorite thing is connecting with people like I like what like whether it be setting up another collab or you know literally just meeting someone new or just having a chance to have a conversation recorded if anything were to happen, and I hate to say that, but like technically, that's more than just a memory. Like it's a, it's it's a recording of that person's yeah. voice. I can go back whenever I want. I can like know what that you know 
feeling was like and I can put myself back in that shoes. I can relate to that just because I simply like save voicemails and like I yeah. have a voicemail from like my auntie Stacy who's, you know, bless her soul, no longer with us. But like I still have that voicemail and that voicemail is like more than eight years old. Yeah. So like I, I understand that that like aspect of like having those conversations recorded and wanting to be able to like look back on those. So so I know that I love doing it and my advice or my the point that I use is like I am going to be doing this anyways. Why not create an opportunity to possibly like monetize it, like yeah. find a way to, to make money. And, and I, that can sometimes scare people. Cause like some people don't want to be the face of the content. They don't want to put themselves out there, yeah. but like, and, and you, you do, but let's say you did just the marketing side. You can be a part of content creating. You get to create your value, you get to create a job. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to be limited by, well, technically um, we have to wait until quarter three in order to, to invest in the budget because, yeah. you know, it doesn't it doesn't pass until this person approves it. And it's like, I hate how that whole structure is. So that's why I was like, I would, if the job opportunity is there, like m- consulting is like what I could see myself doing. Like social media or like marketing consulting is like right. the, the avenue I could see myself in. Cause I could thrive in that daily. Just like being able to set my own schedule. Like I love having a midday workout. Like that is like my favorite thing. Being able to work out between 12 and like two, mm-hmm. it's like prime time for me. And it boosts my energy to be able to like right after that hop back into work and right. like continue with the, the workflow. Like, so that's why I'm like, you know, I, I couldn't see myself sitting in an office because I'd want to take a two hour lunch every day. And like, that's not possible. Like people like jobs don't allow that. Yeah. You don't, you don't need to be a sheep. You don't need to follow the herd. Like you don't need a degree. You don't just to like, you know, Obviously, and, and you mentioned there is an exception to the rule. Like, a bar yeah. exam to be a lawyer is required. You know, you need to pass the same I, – I don't know if they're called bars, but, like, a, a medical doctor, you can't just practice without – Yeah, the, you know, just practice on, like, dead people and, your, and you know, your family. Yeah. You'll be fine. Yeah, right. And then you can just you – know, I'll just put you in the operating room. I'm clearly – I'm friggin' joking, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I am clearly joking. You do your residency. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, it's a joke, but um, – yeah, like you don't need those certain degrees and things yeah. like that. And and that's why I like am bringing like I want to really show people and that's that's my goal with my pl- like the platform that I'm trying to create is like content creating exists and it's the only way we can free ourselves from what like the things that we complain about. I hate 9 to 5s. Okay, do you want to make your own hours? Do you want to not answer to a boss? Do something with content creating. Put yeah. your you and you don't have to put do something your, creative. I don't even like content creation doesn't even have to be a thing. Just do something creative because you get to set your own hours at that point. And this goes into to my rant, which Alyssa, <laughs> I don't want to scare you. I'm undeniable, and I'm like I said it at on episode fourteen uh, with with you and Adam, and I, I really like a lot has changed, and I started to think like oh maybe I was wrong about that, and. Actually, you know what's funny? I've uh, I made a painting called "I'm Undeniable." I'm undeniable, um, but it's it really holds true. You are undeniable. Every single person is undeniable. And my, I was kind of like I kept calling it an ego hire or ego trip or whatever because I was like, I'm undeniable, and like I'm a podcaster. And at the time and. Still today, I'm still undeniably a podcaster because I'm getting behind a mic and I'm recording and I'm putting things out there every single day and I'm continuing to network. Even when I like, like this past week, I've really kind of like fallen off of the Instagram. I haven't really been putting stuff out there, but I'm still 
technically working towards other projects. I'm undeniably a podcaster. You're undeniably going to be an office worker that works nine to five for as long as you let yourself go to that office and go home every single day, get your paycheck every single day. You're undeniably that person. If you want to be undeniably something else, hey, it's going to suck. It's, I, I'm not saying it's an easy, mm-hmm. you know, venture to, to take, you, you know, and, and you might fail. But, like, if you just... No, it's not a you might fail, you will fail, and you'll fail over and over and over again, and that's what you need to understand and accept that, like, if that is undeniably what you want, you have to accept those failures as lessons, not necessarily mm-hmm. failures, but continue to move forward towards that goal. Right. No matter how hard that really gets. Like, and, and I know, like, similar to, to marketing, especially today's marketing with, with social media and everything, um, graphic design. I know a lot of people that go to school for graphic design, and then they get a job at some, you know, office or some building that, like, you know, that company goes under, it, like, five years later. Like, they're, they're, it's just, like, wish-wash. you got to find another one. You, you're ho- yeah. hopping from, you know, company to company. It's like, do you want to be undeniably a graphic designer, or do you want to, like – wait to get your paycheck and have the nice, safe, sustainable, which I'm not discrediting. I think that is a very important role. Like we need people like that. And and a lot of people thrive in that situation. They get to, you know, use their other time, other, you know, money and whatever other resources. And as like that, like more freelance role, like you get to do a lot differently than you would in like a corporate world because you have expectations in a corporate world that you're allowed to do and you're not allowed to do. But when you're a freelancer, it's just whatever your client wants. And, like, I think you and I have had the conversation plenty of times. Of like, sometimes your clients don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. So you have to bring these, like, random things to the table like I did for you. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you were like, oh, I want oranges and yellows and blacks. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I, like, randomly threw this, like, blue and yellow thing in there. And that's the that's ever-changing the vibe, yeah. ever-changing vibe logo we see now. So, like, your clients don't necessarily always know what they want. So, like, being able to take that freelance aspect. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times as a graphic designer – you're in an office with a ton of other graphic designers working on a million different projects. And I specifically go back to um, the, uh, I think it's literally just called Design on Netflix. And it they talk about the graphic design one and they talk about Pentagon and, or uh, Pentagram, sorry. And they're a huge marketing firm in, and a huge graphic design firm in um, New York City. Um, and she walks you like through the life of like how her life is. Mm-hmm. And like, she runs the entire like graphics department and she has like hundreds of people underneath her. She travels between floors and floors all day, like Mm -hmm. trying to have these conversations with these designers. And like, do you want that? Like where you're answering to someone like that, like that's fine if that's what you want and you don't want the extra, like having to find the clients and Mm -hmm. all of that, like good for you. But like, that's not made, that's not made for everyone. Like it's not a one size fits all thing. And I think we need to recognize that and that like, that's okay if you start to recognize in the midst of this like quarter life crisis that you're not cut out for that corporate job and yeah. like that you need a different lifestyle and that that's okay. But in, in like it's in this way, like I, I want to emphasize just, just think about co- creating content, being part of that, wherever it puts you And And you were saying you're Alyssa, you're an introvert and you like, you know, being, um, I forgot the animal you use, but like in cuddling up and watching a sloth and watching Netflix, it's like, you can make a career out of that in the same way I'm trying to make a career out of podcasting. Like you probably have seen almost the entire database of Netflix. You can <laughs> almost and and like, and now you're doing a podcast, you can pull in references and stuff and, and be like, you know, on, on the trends and know what's going on and just do a podcast or a, you know, a 
weekly YouTube video about reviewing. About you can, you can write, and you can. I know you like to write too, because we you kind of went through that like phase for a little bit. Like, you know, like I think it's just like taking that and turning it. Like we talk, like you had said, Brandon, like turning it and monetizing it. If that's something that like that's all you want to do. And, like, if that's all you want to do, if it brings you money the way that, like, you're anticipating it going to be, then, like, just do it. Also, in, in like, and this is kind of where I've found myself in relation to, like, doing stand-up comedy is, like, maybe doing, like, Netflix as your job makes you kind of, like, dislike Netflix or dislike being a sloth for a couple days or whatever it is. And it's, like, you wanted to use that as your release. That's, but now that it's your job, it doesn't suit you. It's not the same. You. So... You can still pursue some kind of content creating. Like you, you have other skills. You have other things that you can, you know, put your time and energy into. Like literally, just being a co-host on Table Talks, wherever this goes. Content creating, technically, like being a podcaster, like if that's your full-time job, it doesn't uh, require many hours. Like, you know, you're not actually doing things hours and hours and hours, forty hours a week. Right. You're probably working 20 hours a week but like there's all those like random things that like just Pop add up, up and you gotta you gotta like randomly be able to be available on a saturday right. or be available on a tuesday and like things like that like that's the content creation world and i think people also need to recognize like there's not a lot of stability within the content creation world mm -hmm. you, it's not for everybody it, and it's changing constantly so like if that's not your forte and you're you need stable like you have yeah. to take that into consideration when you're going through these, you know, big changes and quarter life crises and realizing that like life isn't exactly where you thought you'd be and what you mm -hmm. want. So you have to like take that into consideration that like if you want stability and you thrive off of that, like that comes after a really long time of being in content creation and having the the database for yourself and like the backlog for yourself. Those aren't even the words I'm tr I want to use, but mm -hmm. I don't I don't know which word I'm looking for. But like the the repertoire, I guess, of like having that freelance background or that content that you can just like portfolio? go portfolio. I guess that's also like a, a good word there mm -hmm. um, to be able to like carry you forward. So like you have to start just putting in putting in the work in the beginning mm -hmm. while you still have a job to maintain. Like all three of us have full time yeah. jobs while we're still creating a podcast. Um, and, and, and this is kind of what I was um, building towards is like you can still do the podcast, have the podcast be your full-time job, and then when you're when you're ready to make that step, now your Netflix time just increased. Like you now have more time to be more of a sloth or for a longer period of time. Is that, you, like, is that a no, bad thing? I, you, the I, way you, the that. Just, I didn't mean to like affect you. That's <laughs> a sorry. whole other episode. But like okay. I love being slothy and I'm trying to teach myself that that is okay because I didn't have a lot of that growing up. Like yeah. I was always running around or like if I sat on the couch, it was like, what are you doing? Why don't you go do something? Go outside, go outside be a child. Yeah. Like Now I get to sit at home and I have no reason to feel bad about it, but I still do. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that goes back to like what you had said earlier about like, in that quarter life crisis, like realizing that there are some things from your childhood that you're working out for yourself. And like, that's, that's a big one. And like, I, I have plenty of that as well that like, I'm recognizing from the like, and I didn't even, this was something that I'm working on very like recently within the last like couple of weeks is like, I always feel like I'm not doing enough because it's not good enough. And oh like, God, yeah. and like, so I'm, I'm having to recognize that like what I'm doing and how I'm doing certain things is good enough. Like I work 45 hours a week at a full-time job and then I go home and I create content 
on my three days off a week and every night after work I'm putting together branding kits and marketing and putting together all of these things and I have to recognize that like even just working 45 hours is enough like you Mm -hmm. are doing enough with your 45 hours you don't have to go above and beyond that if that's it and if you come home at the end of the day and you're a freaking sloth like be a sloth I don't like this also like I'm gonna touch upon this whole like social media or like this new like societal thing that like everyone has to have a side hustle everyone should be making money somewhere else like you shouldn't you you should have more for yourself and I'm like dude if you want to work a 40-hour work week go the fuck home enjoy your kids relax and be a sloth by friggin' 6 p.m on your couch like and that's what you want out of life, you do that. That's what I was don't say. don't fall into this trap of like you have to do a side hustle. You have to follow, you have to chase every dream you've ever had. Like, no, you don't have yeah. to do that. Don't, you don't compare have yourself. To. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to do that. I'm gonna play not technically a devil's advocate, but if that is you, I like I totally agree with your point. It's like be be whatever you un, be undeniable. Yeah. Whatever you want to do, like if you want to be undeniably a sloth, okay. You undeniable sloth. <laughs> I'm gonna make you a t-shirt now, boo. Undeniably I the need sloth. The merch. merch, yeah. <laughs> it, like, like you you might need to work a 40 hour job in order to sustain that undeniable sloth life, but you like whatever it is, you can still do that. The thing that I get concerned with which technically goes both ways is like people lie to themselves. So like, yeah. it, like people will see those messages and then, you know, start to be a sloth and it's like, Oh, it's supposed to be driven. And then like, they're lying to themselves. Like, Oh no, I can be a sloth. Like it's okay. I, but like you're everything in you just wants to do that. Like just take a risk and, and do it. So like, don't keep lying to yourself. If you're not a sloth, don't be a sloth. And the same as in, in the opposite. Like if you're not totally work driven to be like, you know, 80 hour work week, work weeks, like then don't do that. Like, yeah. like you yeah. don't have, you don't have to be one or the other. You, like you don't have to conform to, to one specific way. Like if you're, if, and especially, I think this is something, and I'm going to touch upon it when we get to the, like, what are you talking about? Ta- uh, like, what did you learn this week? But like, I'm learning for myself as a woman, we have a lot of the, the way that we work is best during our, like during certain parts of our cycle. Mm -hmm. So I'm like learning that like that some weeks are the best weeks to just like crank out as much work as you can for the entire month. And then like take two weeks off and just fucking chill. Don't do a damn thing. You you can't compare yourself to others. You need to do you a hundred percent of the time. And like when you talk about me being slothy, for example, like I spent growing up, up until like 24, 25 taking care of everything, everybody, making sure I had a house, a roof, a job, like everything. And now I've kind of like taken that step back and I'm doing me. But the rest of the time, you know, at my job, I'm giving that 100%. Like you're you're going to have challenges, you're going to have obstacles, but you just need to do what's right for you at, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that also plays into your like being present portion, which I, I – I'm working on much we'll get you more. There. Yeah, I know. I appreciate your check-ins, even though sometimes I know I ignore them. I do appreciate <laughs> them. I'm sorry. I do intentionally ignore them. You I'm asked just gonna, for it. I did ask for it. And after you asked me on Tuesday for the little like, hey, did you meditate? I, the next day, did my, that was the day I did my three-minute meditation. And I was like, you know what? Okay. I mean, it worked. And it worked. can be all you do. Like, it right. doesn't have to be all the time. You're running at full speed, doing, you know, whatever content creation or anything like yeah. that all the time. It can be that five minutes a day, that ten minutes a day. Yeah. And I and I take a, a playbook uh, page here out of, you know, Jared Carroll 
conversation, him and I's conversation when I recorded the Carol connection. Um, and we were talking off mic and he said something along the lines of like wanting, like he goes to his, he has a nine to five. He works, you know, Monday through Friday, but you know, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, he comes home and he, while he's working out, he's working on creating the posts that go out for the episode that just came out. And then Thursday, he takes the day off. He relaxes. He does whatever he wants to do. You know, still comes home, does his workout and whatnot. And then Friday, he posts again. He posts something and the same the same concept as the, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then he records like Friday or Saturday and then takes Saturday or Sunday to like, you know, edit and get things kind of, you know, get his week together. So like, you know, taking that like, it's okay to not go 100% of the time to create content or go 100% of the time to do all these things that you really enjoy doing. Like, do them when they feel like they're good for you and kind of, like, roll them into, like, good habits for yourself. Like, if, like, he makes those content creation while he's working out, like, because he knows, like, oh, between sets, like, I can do this, I can do that. So, like, I think that's a great way to think about things. Like, it doesn't have, you don't have to sit down and, like only work on one thing like you can work on one thing on and off while you're like doing something else like I think being present is really important but if you're present within both of those then like okay great like cool I get to do this and I'm doing that because like I know for myself like I did a really good job of like being present for a really long time of like meditating all the time but then I I fell off the train and now I'm struggling even more than like when I first started meditating to like sit down and like tell my thoughts to shut the fuck up and sit the fuck down <laughs> like it's, it's hard like I sat down after that three minute meditation I was so angry with myself I was like what the fuck this is so stupid and then I had to like be like okay it's not that bad like you you did it today like in, I do think you need to curb your inner monologue sometimes yeah like, I know. not just for you and your meditation yeah. but like uh, you are your own worst enemy so you have to make sure that you're making the right choices and your thoughts like what's true and what's not and then yeah. go from there and make your decision yeah yeah and we talked about that on one of our episodes uh about the whole like part x like like that that inner demon that inner monologue that's gonna constantly tell you like you're not good enough you're not doing enough you're not you know whatever so that like like you said like curbing that inner monologue is like really really hard oh yeah i still <laughs> sundays is my day to like relax for myself and i still i'll sloth all morning and then as soon as i know somebody's coming home I'm active as shit. <laughs> I got the dishes done. <laughs> clean the kitchen, like all of that. Okay, but does that play into? All right, I'm gonna ask kind of like a more personal question here, so you can just be like, "No, we're not talking about that." That's also fine. Go but ahead. do you think that that comes a lot from being a kid and oh, your absolutely. parents like That's not the being childhood in the house? Not trauma that I was talking. Okay, about. Okay, I was like, like you I don't know. consider it trauma, but like I had chores. I was growing up, you know, I had to do a bunch of stuff, and like. If somebody wasn't looking, I would go and, like, you know, watch a video. Or I'd, I'd stay up till, like, 5 a.m. I was watching, like, True Blood at, like, 12. Like, very not supposed to be. But I was finding that sanctity, safety of being by myself and being able to do what I wanted. Right. Because I was constantly, like, needing to do other things, whether it was being outside or doing a chore, going to school, doing homework, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was, like, um, you don't have to, like, speak on it. But I, but I was just, like, curious. Like, do you feel like even in that specific situation going from the minute you know someone's coming home you're like oh my god I got to do all these things because I didn't do all these things all morning it's a countdown like I know when my spouse is coming home and I'm like and it's not even a him thing like it has nothing to do with him he's not like why didn't you do the dishes like not that type of person it's 
100% me thing. And as soon as I know he, he's coming home at 5, okay, better have, you know, the dishes done, get some stuff done, get the dinner cooking. Like, it's a, it's me. It's you, <laughs> yeah. But that comes, like we said, like, it comes from, like, childhood and just being like, oh, yeah, like, I, I know, like, I love the TikTok videos of the three guys that, like, run around the house and get everything cleaned, like, as if it's, like, super quick before mom comes home. home. Yeah, I love those videos because I'm like, oh, my God, if that's not fucking true. The amount of times I'm, like, supposed to take chicken out, and then I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, all right, well, uh, how do we how do we thaw chicken the fastest? And I'm over here, like, on my phone, like, how do you thaw chicken really fast? Okay, got to put it in the microwave and a hot bowl. Got it. Water. Go. Go. Got to do that first. That's the first thing, and then I can get the rest of the house clean in, like, 10 minutes tops. And uh, so, like, the running around and, like, knowing someone's coming home regardless of if that's like their expectation of what you're doing within a household or your own expectation of what you should have been doing all day yeah and like my my mom was very anyone's coming over hide everything it's gotta be spotless I remember having to clean my room for like hours right before Christmas and stuff for people to come over and it was like just us like it was my grandma and like Right. A little extended family, not much. And I was like, who's going to see it? And, and now who's going to go in my room on, in the, in, in, like, yeah. during a family party? No one is going into my room. No one. I am the same way now, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I definitely. You, not so much. But anyone else coming over, I'm like, oh, my God, the house is dirty. Shit. Uh, I don't want to have plans. <laughs> no one's coming over. No anymore. one's coming over. We're canceling those. Canceling the. Yeah, I very much. I've fallen off of that. And I think it's. Working on it. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, but I I have been falling off of it more recently because living at home with my mom, I see that as she's getting older, she's really, like, letting go of that because that was something that, like, was instilled in her as well. So, like, watching my mom just, like, have a dirty house and, like, things are everywhere. We've got projects started and, you know, several rooms in the house and things are a disaster. Dishes up the wing-wing for, like, you know, two weeks. Nobody gives a shit. We just wash a mug, a plate if we need it, and just move along. Like, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. My mom is, like, my mom's, like, going backwards. She's, like, working on herself and realizing that, like, the house doesn't need to be clean all the time, even if people are coming over. Like, screw it. It goes back generations, though. Like, it's yeah. not your mom or my mom or anything like that. It's, like, what was instilled from them, the traditions, the yeah. responsibilities they were given, and it just gets passed down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to ask this question. It kind of pivots a little, but, like, I already sort of know your answer to this, but now that you're coming to terms with that part of yourself – recently and like within the last year going forward are you still going to instill those responsibilities within your own children absolutely not (laughs) absolutely not so now it's like okay are you going to give them like a chores list and whenever they get it done they get it done I still think there's chores but I think that there can be a lot of like help and support in that like I would like to be like what is it gentle parenting I think it is and like I don't need to be best friends with my child but like I want to instill that they are still a human being and Mm our children and need to have children you know times and experiences but also instill that responsibility like I don't knock my mom at all for giving me chores like I knew how to do laundry Mm -hmm. dishes clean cook when I was you know I think I was 15 I was I was was very early like I started doing laundry I think at like seven or eight maybe yeah I definitely same Um, yeah I I think my first animal I was cleaning out the cat litter box like I had all that like, like I had a lot of responsibility and I I appreciate that now, but I think I still would have done some things differently or even just had more open conversations about it or not putting that s- strict timeline. Like, yeah, oh, you can't go out just because your room's not clean. Like, no, like, okay, you can go out, but when it, when's the time frame for you to clean your room by? Like, when do you, when do when you, do you think you can do it by, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I think, so, like, my mom, when she raised me with my chores list, it was, like, on the fridge. It was a chores list. Everything had, like, a money count on it. Like, I got paid for my chores. A very small, minimal amount, I think. I wish the, I got money. The most I ever, but that was to teach me how to manage my money. Yeah. That was why my mom did that. She wanted to instill that really young, and it, that was great. I, you know, I took on some of my dad's spending habits as I got older, but we're working on it. <laughs> we all have that money blow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, you know, the most I ever made on a chore was like a dollar twenty-five. That's like the most I made on a chore, and like, God, that was a lot. That's, that's a lot seven. of money at friggin' seven and eight. I, I don't think I like, but I never really understood it because it was like I just like put it in a piggy bank and like didn't really touch it. It was just like savings. Um. Would you teach but, your children how to do that? Like, yeah. spend their money and be able to spend it? Yeah. The same, I loved the fact that, like, the way that my mom taught me, like, money and financial things and things like that. Like, okay, well, like, like most of the time I spent my money on books. I'm fucking a book nerd. Like, I would my, like I would get enough money in my piggy bank. I'd dump that bitch out all over my desk and be like, Mom, can we go to Barnes & Noble? And at the time, actually, it was Borders. Mom, can we go to Borders? Oh, my God. Mom, Borders. <laughs> borders can we go to Borders? On Friday, I have all this money. And she was like, okay, yeah, sure, honey. Like, the most I would make out of, off of chores for, like, the entire week was like 12 bucks I think was the max I could make 12 bucks that was a new book back then that was one or two new books back then like I was stoked so those are the weeks I did all the chores but I just had a chore list and I got to pick what chores I did and whatever chores I didn't do like I just didn't get paid for and then my mom would just do them oh see there was four of us so like there's a lot of chores just spread around so we had like responsibility like I think mine was usually, like, we all did our own laundry, but I used to do the bathroom, and I still fucking love cleaning the bathroom. I know it's you the do. the easiest thing yeah. to do. <laughs> Way more than laundry. I hate laundry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and growing up in, like, a lot of my cousins' houses, I saw, like, the way that their parents, like, instilled responsibility in them, too. Like, one of my um, sets of three cousins, they rotated the bathroom chores. So, like, each – so they shared a bathroom, the three of them, and then there was the adult bathroom. So they each – week one of them would have to clean the bathroom the two bathrooms like their bathroom and the half bath because obviously like the half bath was like closest to the front of the house so when friends are over everyone's like running in that into that bathroom so we they they had that responsibility of circled in of like oh like you take care of that you take care of this like this week and then oh like everyone had to keep their own rooms clean and things like that and uh, so like I see the way that like each of our parents like did it differently even though they all came from like similar households like they all grew up in the same household watching the way that like one parent did it with one set of like kids, like my cousins. It's it's very super interesting. It's to so see interesting. The of yeah, it. exactly. So I definitely like take a lot of that, and I'm like, oh, I was I was like, you know, I have a brother, but like we there's 12 and a half years between us. But the time it was time for me to do laundry and like start learning chores, like my brother was well out of the house at this point and like in his own life, like, um, and it's funny because my brother is so particular about the dishwasher and so am I the dad my dad's a dishwasher master it's been instilled into me yeah like and I didn't realize that that was I don't even know where I learned because growing up we didn't have I didn't any of the houses I lived in like growing up I didn't have a dishwasher I've always had to hand wash dishes yeah like I think my dad's place the last house that he had had a dishwasher but like other than that like I didn't have a dishwasher so I don't know where I instilled and learned how to like properly loaded dishwasher but my brother was the one that actually when he moved out and was living with all of his like roommates after college he taught all of them how to like clean and cook and like things like that because they didn't know necessarily how to do all of that so but like my mom instilled very much like responsibility even within my brother like it wasn't like a a gender based like oh you have to do this and like you do this like no it was like you have chores and you have chores you both have chores to do and you have to you have to figure that out yeah 
So I definitely like can see where some parents were like, oh yeah, like just focus on your studies. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. And like, so I, I love, and I love even seeing the difference between the way like my brother was raised and the way that I was raised. I mean, 12 and a half years, that's a lot of years to like learn new things as a parent. And you know, also like my brother and I grew up in different households. Like my brother had, my parents were together for most of the years that he was living within the house. And then as I was growing up, my parents were divorced for most of the years that like I was growing up. So, um, yeah, it's just really interesting to see that sort of dynamic shift over years. I think it changes, too, like, even just within children. Like like I said, there's four of us, and, like, the way my sister was raised versus me, she'd think I'm, like, spoiled now. (laughs) Yeah. Of the way I grew up, it was so different. But, like, your parents are learning how to do things differently while they're doing it. Like, there's no handbook. No, there's no handbook. Absolutely. And I, and that's, you know, that was like a conversation that I like recently had with my sister-in-law but like, she's like, I'm just trying to do what's like best for my kids. And I'm like, Christy, no one even knows what that is because like kids experiences are so different from ours. And you know, they're humans just like we are. And if you have that day of like your kids down in the dumps and you yell at them about something because you're frustrated about something that, that may carry on with them for the rest of their lives. And you don't even know it. Like, it's crazy to think that we have that sort of impact as parents or as guardians on children. It is really crazy. And I think that you're going to get positives and negatives no matter what type of parenting you do. Like, even if it's just that one day, like you're talking about, where you just blow a lid and (laughs) you messed up, made a mistake. But it's how you do everything overall. And then a quarter-life crisis happens to your child, and they can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they could be like, ah, okay, these are the things I need to fix that I feel like are wrong with myself from my childhood. And, yeah. like, some people go through things that, like, are similar. Like, both you and I went through, had divorced households growing up. So, like, but, like, our experiences of, the, of those divorced households are very different. Oh, super different, yeah. And it's crazy to think that, like, just because our, the title of being coming from a divorced family we have that title, but, like, that doesn't negate that our experiences are very different and they're not one and the same. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. So, does anyone have a – what did we learn this week? Yeah. Um, we should do the outro the day we record it for your show. Yeah. This time. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Yeah, no, definitely want to do that. Um, <clears throat> you? Uh, I think I'm still in the process of – fully learning it but like I am just I made a change in my emotions and how I was portraying myself and I think I'm trying to finally trying to get back to me and kind of date myself again that's fair like I said I am home and slothy but like I leave my Friday nights just to myself to hang out come back to me and like do what I need to do and like kind of fine with that yeah yeah that, good for you I uh, I definitely like that's what I found myself doing during the pandemic was like redating myself so take all the time you need and I think at all different points of our life we need to go back and redate ourselves because oh, we yeah. change so much that like sometimes we don't even recognize these changes as they're happening I feel like I know so much but everyone can lose themselves even to a small extent at some point yeah and so it's just like centering back to you yeah yeah absolutely what I'm gonna you? I'm not even going to say anything because that was a great one. And I want to leave our topic of the in the flow and what I've learned from that book so far for like an actual episode. Okay. Um, so because I just want to end on that. I think that was. Give a, me your beautiful outro then. I think that was great. But um, thank you again for joining us for another wonderful episode of Table Talks. And we'll catch you guys next week.